Now, I need you guys to follow me for a moment because there's some thoughts that God has placed on my heart that I believe are relevant to where we are um, as a church, as a body. In Galatians chapter number five, verses number 19, Paul writes something um, that we need to take note that we don't need to just glaze over. Paul says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, everybody shout sinful nature. Sinful nature, the results are very clear. When you follow these desires, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, this is what I need you to understand. Everything that I just listed, the seeds of it live in your flesh. You are a potential. The reason is because you carry with you what's known as a sin nature. It's, it's known as the flesh. And this sin nature that you carry within this body, um, it has a, the sin nature is like the best friend who don't, nobody understands you like them, but every time you get together, y'all get in trouble. Anybody, anybody had a friend like that? Like they, I mean, y'all just click. I mean, y'all just, but every time y'all get together, like you get it, and, and your sin is really, your sin nature, this flesh is really like that best friend because it really wants to help you have fun. It really does want you to have a good time. So there's sometimes sin nature drives you to have sex because he know you want it. Then there are times when the sin nature drives you to have sex, not because you necessarily want it, but he trying to help you to get over your ex. Boy, y'all sitting there all sanctified. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this message for you. He talking about you. He ain't talking. I don't know what he talking about. This must be for you. I mean, y'all sitting there real sanctified. There are times when you grab the stick because nicotine was calling your name. That nicotine pool, call it, big girl, where my packet. <laughs> then it was times that you didn't smoke because it was calling you. You, was, you smoked because you were stressed out. And, and, and so your flesh says, so when, when I see you, when I see you want it, I'm going to help you to, some of y'all have created innovative ways. And your flesh has been behind the innovation of you getting things that it desires. And then there are times, just like that good best friend, flesh kicks in and say, 
uh, let me help you get over the pain of what you're experiencing right now. Let me help you numb this, this heartache that you're going through now. But just like that best friend that you always get in trouble with, they really do got a good heart, but they never calculate the consequences associated with the things that you offer. So, Paul highlights something concerning this sinful nature in Galatians 5.17. He says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. Now, this is what I need you to understand. Prior to salvation, um, I didn't have no problem with my sin nature. Because the only time I felt bad about sin is when I got caught. Like, I mean, I lied, and I lied, and I lied, and, and, you know, it is what it is until I get caught. So prior to salvation, if there was any remorse in my soul, it wasn't because I was really sorry. It was because I was sorry I got caught. <laughs> so stealing and lying and cheating and all of these things, I mean, you, we... We did do this. Well, y'all, ooh, y'all gonna make it hard on your boy today. Here, here is the problem. Here is the problem. Here is the problem. I was born with this natural tendency being towards sin called the flesh. It's, it's a part of me. It's, it's what I crave. It's what I desire. I'm born. You don't have to teach your baby to lie. Did you eat the chocolate with all chocolate on their face? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's in them. Here's the problem. One day, I came to a little church like this. I had sinned before I came to church. Had planned to sin after I left church. Problem is, Rev got up there. Said something that really touched me. And I made a decision that I didn't plan to make prior to coming here, but I did make a decision. And when I made that decision, something happened on the inside of me. The Spirit of God connected with my human spirit, and this connection actually created a conflict. Because with the invading of the Holy Spirit into my human spirit produced spiritual desires, which would be okay if the spiritual desires some kind of way eradicated my fleshly desires. So if I only had spiritual desires, I'd be good. Problem is, how many of y'all can feel this? Like, I'd be like a super Christian if I ain't had no temptations. Man, what, just think about that for a second. Like if, you're, like, if you had no fleshly desires to do anything contrary to God's will, like, where would you be right now? You'd be all over the world. They'd be flying you everywhere to minister, to preach, to do whatever. But it's the dilemma because I do have these spiritual desires, and I really do want to please God. I really do want to walk out my salvation. But by the same token, I also have these... And Paul highlights this conflict again. 
uh, two places. Galatians 5.17, he says, the simple nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So my spirit really wants to please God, but I still have this old man, this flesh, this sinful nature that's bent on doing stuff to satisfy and gratify itself. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul's going to speak about this again in Romans seven fifteen. He says... I don't really understand myself. <laughs> now, by the way, this is the man who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. So this is not very good. Paul said, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. See, I know you don't know, but your neighbor know what it's like to say, I'll never do that. And the thing you said you'll never do. I know you don't know, but your other neighbor also knows what it's like to say, I'll never do that again. Look at your neighbor. He says, I don't really understand myself or what. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. 18, he picks up and he says, I don't, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I, ooh, he said, it's like I can't. I want to quit this. I want to put this down. I want to stop doing this, but it's like I can now, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Here is my real dilemma. When I left this little church, I went and told everybody that I gave my life to Christ. So it's hard for me to go back into the club and be the same person without them looking at me with side eyes. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you shouldn't have told nobody. You shouldn't have told nobody. If you wouldn't have told nobody, you would have been able to slide on back. And they'd be like, girl, we ain't seen you in forever. But it's hard to slide back because I, in my excitement, I told everybody about this new life that I'm trying to live. So I'm in a dilemma. I'm in a, oh, I'm in a serious dilemma because I really love God, but I'm having a hard time living for him. And here's the real problem. I can't tell nobody because I don't know what they're going to say about me. So it almost forces me to live a hypocritical life. Let me give you an example of what it talks about. I talk about all types of sins. Except for the one that I'm struggling with. I, I teach on everything else, and I, and I highlight what you ought to be doing, but I'm always quiet when it comes to my... Or I can go ahead and boldly just be like, look here, y'all need to stop all that. 
and put on the mask as if I have mastered it myself. And got everybody in the church looking up to me like, man, I sure wish I could be like him. And him lying. So, man, I'm a young Christian, and I'm like, God, you're going to have to help your boy. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to live the rest of my life having something dominate me that, like you said, ain't supposed to dominate me. Neither do I want to walk around preaching a gospel as if it's possible to live, and I can't live it. So I said, God, you're going to have to help, help your boy. Somebody shall help him, Lord. Help him, Lord. No, help you. <laughs> That's exactly how we do. We want to help, we want to help him, help him, help, help. So, man, I ran across some stuff uh, that did help me. Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 5, he says, those who are, everybody shout, dominated. dominated. Now, I'm going to assume that you know what it's like in one point in your life or another to be dominated by sin. I'm just going to assume <laughs> that you know what it's like. I don't have to name the sin. I don't have to give a brand of sin, but there is something that you know disple was a displeasure to God, and you wanted to stop, but it's like you couldn't stop. You were dominated by sin. So Paul says it's real simple. Those who were dominated, who are dominated by the sinful nature, this is why because they continue to think about sinful things. <sighs> God, I want y'all to pray for me because I got something that's so simple. And because it's so simple, uh, a whole bunch of folk miss it. So I'm going to really take my time and try to lay this thing out because I really want you to get it. Paul said it's real, real simple. He said, folk that are dominated by lives that they don't want to live, it's real simple. There might, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me go to that next trans, translation. Uh, NIV says, those who live according to the flesh, this is why, because their minds are set, my God, on what the flesh desires. So, so he, here's the question. What's keeping my mind set? God. What is it that has my mind set? It's real simple. You got stuff over here that you're doing. There's this war within you. You don't want to do it, but you find yourself doing it. Paul says the reason you keep doing it is because your mind is so, Lord, you have to help you, boy. How do I unset <laughs> my mind? So, it's five things that contribute to an individual 
mindset. Ah, if you take a note, I want to jot these five things down quickly, and I'm going to run through them. Number one, the pressure of peers. Number two, environmental temptations. Number three, stressful circumstances. Number four, disappointing times. Number five, spiritual laws. One more time. Pressures of peers, number one. Environmental temptations, two. Three stressful circumstances, four disappointing times, five spiritual laws. I'll give them to you again later. Everybody look up at me. I got to roll. Um, here's the reality. The reason some of you guys' mind is set is because you got the wrong folk around you that's helping you to keep your mind set. You trying to stop fornicating, but everybody in your close inner circle freely gives their body or takes another body that doesn't belong to them, and they don't mind telling you about the experience. Your mind is set there because the folk in your inner circle are pointing you to that. Your mind is set because of the type of music that you listen to. You hear it, and it doesn't bother you anymore. The reason it doesn't bother you, there used to be some sense of conviction. There's no conviction. There's little conviction because mind is set. Certain scenes in movies don't even move you anymore. Why? Because your mind is... It's time for some of us to unsettle our minds, and... In order to unsettle your mind, you need to change some of the parameters that's calling your mind to be. For some of us, it's not necessarily people, but it's the environment itself that's conducive to that type of fleshly manifestation. You, if you, if you got a problem gambling, you cannot go into the casino even if they give you a free dinner. Now, you know you got a gambling problem, and here you go, girl, they gave me a free meal. And you go in there, you start smelling that crisp air, you hear them bells going on, you hear them machines, you're bling, 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 bling. You're like, well, I just, I'm just going to put in one, just one. I'll be back, y'all. I'll be back. Be back when you broke. Some environments you can't afford to be in. Come on, somebody. There are, there are, had somebody, uh, God, man, miraculously delivered from drugs years ago, and it was such an amazing testimony, and the individual came to me, and they said, Pastor, I got a friend that wants to come to church, and I really want, I really want her to, to experience what it is that God is doing on the inside of me. Um, the problem is she lives next to the drug house, next to the place where all of us used to get high. I told her, your friend need to find another ride to church. Because that, envi that environment is going to drive you back. It's going to reset your mind to a place that God's trying to keep you unset. Am I making sense in this place? There's some of you all, your, your mind is set because of the stress, the disappointment, 
and the difficulties that you're currently having, and your flesh has you sin as spiritual novocaine. So the moment you get into a stressful situation, your flesh begins to call for something to help you numb the pain while you're going through. It's real simple. You need to find you another spiritual coping mechanism. You need to go for a walk. I don't know. You need, I don't know. You need maybe get a dog. I have two I could give away today. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Y'all heard my wife say, she said, she said, they ain't giving my baby away. Now, when she brought the dog home, I told her no. She said, but it's for the babies. But it's your baby. Mm-hmm. Sight. Uh, there are some of us, uh, we, could, we could stand uh, exploring better coping mechanisms with the stress that's going on in our lives. We can, I, I, I recently started back jogging, and the reason I, jogged in the first place years ago. I, I started when I was like 12 years old. I was just jogging. And um, during that time, I noticed that God would speak to me a lot while I'm on my jog, especially during the cool down time. And it was so relaxing. And I started that because I, I know with the amount of pressure that's coming upon me with all of the blessings. And how many know blessings are pressure? <laughs> I know I need to increase diversity of coping mechanisms. Here's the fifth one, though, that kind of uh, actually surprised me as God began to reveal this text to me. Not just pressures of peers, not just environmental temptations, stressful circumstances, disappointing times. I need y'all to hear me. Spiritual laws are also a cause of my mind being set. I want to show you this. In Colossians chapter number 2, verse number 20, the Bible declares you have died with Christ and he has set you free, God help me, from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as, watch this, don't handle. That's what the church says, too. Don't, don't taste. Don't touch. But Paul says, such rules are mere human, human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Let me make it, let me make, it make sense. So, girl, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wear this rubber band. And every time I cuss, pow, I'm going to pop myself. Ooh, I said it again, pow. Man, this is what we're going to do, bro. Every time somebody cuss on this job, you got to put a quarter in the bowl. And that bowl keep filling up because y'all keep cussing. Paul, Paul says, put, put 23 back on the screen. These rules, everybody shout rules. rules. 
He says, these rules may seem wise. Like, it may seem wise to pop myself every time I cuss because I'm, I'm reminding myself I'm creating some type of painful circumstance. He said, they may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help. So popping myself with the rubber band, Paul says, it ain't helping you. <laughs> Putting a quarter <laughs> in the can every time you say something, he says, it's actually not helping you. I, I want to I wanna, I wanna show you, I want to show you why it's not helping you. And when I saw this, it actually blew me away. Galatians 5.16, Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay, I got that. 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. 18 has confused me most of my Christian life until here recently, God gave me the wisdom 18 says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So I've read all of my Christian life, Galatians and Romans, and it has confused me as to why Paul, he talks about flesh, he talks about sin, but he always go back and talk about the law. And I'm like, what, what's, what? I mean, just, just read this again. Read, he, he's talking about 16, 17, he's talking about this wrestle between my spirit nature and my sin nature and, and how they're contrary one to the other. Then he goes right into 18, like, like we're supposed to know exactly what this means. 18 says, but when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. This is why. Romans 7 and 5. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires <laughs> that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. God help me. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. Um, so there was a point in my life that I was having serious flesh battles. Like my flesh was dominating me. And a wise spiritual leader encouraged me that I should read my Bible more. And I obeyed, and I read my Bible more. I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. Um, but something actually happened when I read my Bible more. It intensified my cravings. <laughs> I was blown away. I went back to him and I said, I read the word. <laughs> and after reading the word, things got worse. So I'm trying to figure this out. This is what God spoke to me. Mm. I need you to follow me. I need, listen, like, 
I, I want you to like really get this. I want you to get this. So I'm going to take my time, and then I'm going to ask questions to make sure you got it. Um, God spoke to me because I'm meditating on this, and I'm saying, God, what exactly are you trying to say? God told me to tell you that many of you guys are reading your Bibles wrong. And because you're reading your Bible wrong, you are actually giving your sin nature an occasion to dominate you. Jesus says that this book points to me. Many of us don't read the Bible pointing to Christ. Many of us read the Bible like a self-help book that points to us. So we don't read it with the intent of getting to know, getting to understand. We read it like a rule book. Well, I shouldn't do this, and I shouldn't do that, and I bet not do this, and I bet not do that. I, I wanna, I'm, I'm coming back to that. I want to reread this. I want to reread this, and then I'm coming back to that same thought. Go, go back again, Romans chapter number 7, verse number 5. So um, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law, watch this, watch this, the law, the word actually aroused these evil desires. See, your flesh is not just like um, a best friend that always gets you into trouble, but the flesh itself is actually like a real spoiled brat. Let me, let me show you like what a real spoiled child does. A real spoiled child actually learns your rules, and when they learn your rules, they on purpose break them. Ooh. Oh, that's going to hurt her? Well, then I'm doing this then. Oh, that's going to hurt him? Then I'm just going to do the opposite of that. And watch this. This with your flesh. Paul, Paul, I'm getting ready to read it again, but Paul says, I actually had no problem with my sin nature before the law. When the law came in, my nature capitalized on the law. See, the, the, the sin nature is totally contrary to the plan of God. And it actually don't know what to do against God until God reveals his law. So I got this thing on the inside of me that lies dormant until I know what God's will is. The moment I know what God's will is, then it takes the occasion to do things opposite against God's will. Am I making sense? So let me read it, and then I'm coming back to explain it again because I need you to hear this. When we are controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these Evil desires that produce the harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? No, of course not. In fact, it was love all that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin, watch this, use the commandment to what, y'all? Arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. So let me, so here it is, here it is. Paul says, Paul says, I got these desires. I have these desires. And I get into the Word of God. And getting in the Word of God actually increases the intensity of these desires. The reason being is because 
when many of us get into the Word, we don't read the Word the way it's intended for it to be read. The Word of God is intended to point towards Christ. So, so as I am diving into the Word, it's not about Greg, it's about him. I'm trying to find, watch this, I'm trying to find Jesus in every book. I'm trying to find Christ in every statement. I'm trying to find Christ in every command. I'm trying to find him when I no longer, when he is no longer the focus and it's just about me having a better life, then everything that I learn, my flesh tries to take advantage of it and help me break the thing that I know is right now. Who lost? Wave your hand if you lost. Thank you. Who else? Who else? The kids say I'm lost. Baby said I'm lost. All right? Good. Thank you. Now watch this. Mm. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you, everybody shall stay free. And do not get tied up again in slavery to the law. So this is what it looked like. I got today. Fast forward this thing. Hmm. Yep. How many of you guys uh are like proud of some things that you have never done that like your friends have done. Anybody? Okay. Cool. Cool. I, my, my buddy, he tripped up in this. My girl, she tripped up with me. I never did that. All right. How many of you all in here uh, are proud that is some things you used to do. It's been years since you've done that. Like, like you, you're proud. Okay, so that's, that's good. That's good. Now watch this. I have never smoked anything in my life. Ever. I, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't even know how to do my, how you do it. Like, I don't, I don't know. I've never drank, Corky Hell, I've never drank. <laughs> that boy was in high school, y'all, tanning it up, y'all, I'm telling you. He used to come pick me up, bottles and cans rolling all in the backseat. What, what is all this? Yeah. <laughs> Ah, Lord Jesus. So watch this, watch this. I've, I've, I've never drank. So those things I have, I have never, never done. All right? Here's the second thing. Um, I can't tell you the last time I wrestled with porn or lust. Like I like I can't like some people got an anniversary or when they quit. 
Like, I just don't even know what, I don't know. Like, when the last time I went on the website or looked at, I just, I was sitting with a guy um, a couple of weeks ago, and we were sitting there talking, and he looked, he said, oh, man, that thing, that's so fine. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even look. Everybody thought that's good. Maybe. Maybe. It's good, pastor, that you ain't never drank. It's good you ain't never smoked. It's good that you don't lust no more. It's good that you don't wrestle with porn no more. It's bad if you take these dynamics of never drinking, never smoking, not using porn, and you try to justify a relationship with God based on what you don't do and have never done. So what happens is I feel good about myself because I don't do that. I ain't, matter of fact, I ain't never did that right there. And that right there, boy, let's, look at them, look at them, look, look at them, look at them, look at them. Me? <laughs> good if you ain't never done that. Good if you don't do it no more. Bad if you trying to take this and actually use this as a measure of being accepted by God. And this is how the flesh capitalizes on it. I want to help somebody in this place. And this is why many of you all are actually being defeated by the very thing that ought to be feeding you life. You got enough scriptures just to hang your own self. Because you focus on the word of God and you say, don't do this and don't do that and don't do that. But because you don't read it Christ's word, you read it self-words, the flesh often takes advantage and makes you do the very thing that you just read that you shouldn't do. And the strength of that flesh is because you're trying to use it as a measure of pleasure to God. So watch this. Where do we get this from? Where do we get it from? Where do we get this from? I'll tell you where we get it from. Because our culture is a culture that focused on, focuses on performance-based relationships and not grace-based relationships. I need y'all to hear me because, listen, every relationship in my life changed when God taught me this, and I began to, on purpose, implement what I understand that the Word is challenging me to do. Switch your works-based relationships to grace-based relationships. So works-based relationship, I will be nice to you if you're nice today. And she used to be like, I bless you if you're nice today. So here we are in this tug of war waiting on the other person to be nice before we be nice. And now we've gone days. <laughs> then the brother just break down and says, I, I love you, babe. Um, my relationship with my children changed when I changed from a performance-based relationship to a grace-based relationship because there were a time when my kids actually thought I loved them because of how they've performed. Now, I'm guilty because I notice how I reacted when they performed well. 
They saw a love from dad. They saw an appreciation. They saw a gravitation towards them when they performed well as opposed to when they, when they performed bad, I withdrew myself. And the reason I was doing it to my kids because I was doing it to my wife. When my wife didn't do what I wanted her to do, when it act right, I'd give her the silent treatment. I'd walk in the room and act like she wasn't there. What are you doing? Withdrawing my love. Why? Because my love was based on how she performed. So I changed it with my wife. I changed it with my kids. And I started communicating to my kids that dad loves you no matter what you do. Before I discipline all of my children, it starts out with this. You know I love you, right? <laughs> Every, and they hate to hear them words because they know. <laughs> and my kids started getting smart. At first I thought they was, you know, but they started out. They playing me now. They playing me because I had two or three of them say it, and they said it more than once. I said, you know, I love you. They're like, I do, but sometimes I can't feel your love, Dad. <laughs> now, the first time they got me, and I, it, it just changed the whole thing. But when you do that two or three times, oh, you playing me. <laughs> so watch this. My, my relationship with my kids changed when they stopped feeling from me that my love for them was based on how they performed. Like, are there times when I'm, when I'm angry? Yes. Are there times when I'm disappointed? Yes. Are there times when I expect more? Yes. But despite my expectations, I need you to know that there's nothing you will ever do that will make me stop loving you. I love your good self and your bad self. I love your great, great self, and I love. <laughs> My relationship. <laughs> Let me go on to put it out there. Like, I was extremely blown away, Ray. Like, I was blown away because I was, first of all, I was depressed. My son, Nathaniel, came home. He's in what, fifth grade? Fifth grade. And he said, he was, came home all excited. He said, Dad, I got a science fair project. He excited. I'm depressed. <laughs> Why am I depressed? What did you say, Aunt Charlotte? Say it again. She said, I got to help him. No, I got to do it. Let me tell you one. One time, Charity came home with a, a first play for war for Science Fair Project. I said, give me that. That's mine. <laughs> you ain't do nothing. And it was time. She was like, Dad, can I do that? I said, stop, girl. That's my project. No. <laughs> I don't know how I got on that. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> my, my, my relationship with my church changed when... I understood grace-based versus performance-based relationships. Like, I love your good self. I also love your crazy self. I, I love when you give my wife 
chocolate and I eat all of it. I also love you when you go off on me. Like I made a choice to love you and not to stop loving you based on how you act. That don't mean that I don't discipline. That doesn't mean that I don't rebuke. That doesn't mean that I, I mean, I still got a pastor. But what you ain't never got to worry about is me standing in the pulpit preaching on you. It will never happen. It will never happen. If I have an issue with you, like I'll pull you to the side, take you in my office, and we'll handle that there. But I ain't throwing no shade on nobody from. It's not that I ain't dealing with issues. It's not that even you, something that you have said, that there are times people say something, and I start seeing connection like this. This ain't just a her thing. Like this is a. This is going on in the ministry, so let me address it. But I promise you, if I'm addressing it, I'm not addressing you. I'm addressing. What you see in me as a pastor is actually how I father. When it comes to my kids, like I'm intentionally to have a happy-go-lucky type attitude. Because I know eventually I'm going to have to correct you in something. So I've built up enough stock of smiling with you and laughing with you. So if I do have to correct you about something, my correction doesn't outweigh the love because you've seen just intentional. All of my relationships change. So here's the challenge of of many Christians. Many Christians grew up in a performance-based home. And not only did you grow up in a performance-based home, you now live in a performance-based home where you are only celebrate and you only celebrate when somebody does something significant. So, because I grew up in that house, because I live in that house, now when it comes to God, I adopt the same mentality that he only loves me if I do good things. So I on purpose establish these rules in my life. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't do this, don't do that. I read the Bible, not with a Godward perspective, but with a Greg perspective of things that I do not do. And the reason I do that is because I really want to please him and I want him to love me. And in my twisted mind, the only way he will love me if I keep all of these rules because I felt like that with my wife. I felt like that with my kids. The only reason why my kids love me is because of all this stuff I do for them. And if I stop doing it, they're going to stop loving me. I felt like that in my home. Then I felt like that growing up. Mom loves me. Dad loves me. My siblings love me because of what I do. And if I stop doing it, they're going to stop loving me. So if I felt like that in my home I grew up in, if I felt like this in my house, then God must be like that as well. So let me work myself to death trying to please him. And while I'm working, flesh is smiling. Because flesh says, I get excited when I see rules. Because I'm here to help you break every last one of them. And so today I feel good. Because I kept all of my rules, and if, because I kept all of my rules, surely God is happy and he's pleased with me. But tomorrow I'm borderline suicidal because I broke some rules, and because I broke some rules, God probably don't want me no more. 
God says, we don't have a performance-based relationship. We have a grace-based relationship. God says, like, like real talk, real talk. Everybody shout double-double. So I ain't getting double-double because I ain't never smoked, because I ain't never drank, <laughs> because I don't love no That ain't the reason I'm getting double-double. I'm getting double-double because of his grace. Because I promise you, there are other areas that if he wanted to just be nitpicky, if he, if he wanted to highlight, there's some, other, there's some stuff, he, there's, there's some doors he could open and be like, uh, nah, you know what, I was, but. So it's not about my performance, it's about his grace. So, pastor, okay, you, you got to help me with this because I hear another theology that, that is crazy, that is ridiculous, that, that is the antithesis of what you're really trying to say. And that, that theology says, well, sure, then it don't matter what I do then. Live how I want to live. If it ain't based on performance, it's just based on, no, 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 no. I need you to hear me. God says, I want you to change the dynamics and the motive behind what you do. Hear, hear, hear me, hear me. I want you to stop doing to get my love. And I want you to start doing because you know you already got it. This, this, this word, I, I, want you to, I want you to stop keeping this word because you feel that God's going to love me more if I do this, that, 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 that. And I want you to start keeping this word because present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. In essence, it's the least that you could do to show gratitude for all he has done. So, so this Valentine, let me tell, let me tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. But I'm going to say it because I want y'all to understand. I want y'all to understand. Uh, and ladies, y'all going to hate me, but I don't care. <laughs> Valentine's is a fake holiday. It ain't your birthday. Oh, Keenan even looked at me crazy. Come on, bro. I'm trying to help. The... It's, it's, it's a fake holiday. It's fake. It's a fake holiday. So, but watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Watch this, watch this. I believe it's fake, but I spent several hundred dollars. Watch, watch, watch. So, so my wife, <laughs> my wife, uh, I was playing. I was kind of serious, but I was playing. And, she, you know, because she know how I feel about Valentine. And I went, like, I bought, um, I should have brought this picture. My, my grandbaby, I bought her this big old teddy bear. This huge, like, it's double her size. Like, she don't even know what it is, but it's just. <laughs> uh, went and bought my wife big old vase of roses with the kind of roses and flowers that she liked. Took her out to dinner with some couples, um, all of my children. Except for Greg Jr. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't. I told her, you got to do Greg Jr. He just, yeah. <laughs> and I told Nate, this your last year, player. 
Enjoy it. You know what his response was? Nate says, but I was the only child who bought y'all something for Valentine. I said, you know what? You got one more year. <laughs> you got one more year, boy. Yeah. I went, I went and bought Nate this, this, this games headset, wireless headset. The game was no, right? Um, bag full of chocolate candy, uh, all this makeup stuff for, for the girls so they can stop stealing my wife's makeup stuff, candy and all this other kind of stuff. And so my wife come to me and she said, I see, why are you buying all this? You don't even believe in Valentine's. You know what I'm talking about? I said, so one time I counseled this girl, and while I was counseling her, she swore that it was pink bunnies in the room. And so instead of trying to argue against her delusion, I just joined it and said, well, they in here, they just running fast. I can't find them. <laughs> so I just joined, instead of fighting it, I'm in the Valentine. <laughs> Real talk, watch this, watch this. Why, why, why you buy all that stuff and you, you ain't even bought Valentine like that? Why, why, why? I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why. Because I wanted to demonstrate my love to my family. This was not so my wife can love me more. It's not for my kids to love me more. I believe that they really do love me. So I ain't trying to earn their love. What I'm trying to do is live a life that demonstrates my love. God says, that's how I want you to live your Christian life. Stop living laws in the book trying to get me to finally fall in love with you and bless you. I want you to follow the laws in the book because it's your way of demonstrating appreciation and love for me. So if I don't look and I don't lust, I'm not walking around like, I'm man, I'm the man of God. I don't know. No, 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 no. Every, every opportunity that I choose not to turn my head I use it as a kiss to God to say, I don't want to interrupt what we have. I want a consistent love flow to you because there's a consistent love flow. Am I making sense in this place? I'm done. I got to get out of here. So Paul, he writes, he says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again until in slavery to the law. This, did, did I clear that up some? Did I clear it up? I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised or doing any rules, any rules, if, you're tr if the purpose of you keeping the word or keeping anything is to find favor in God, he says uh, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses, and he's, he knows that's impossible. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Man. So here's the answer, and I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. For if you are trying to make yourself right, no, verse number six. 
For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in what, y'all? In love. Faith expressed. The, the, the question for Jesus was, out of all the commandments in the word, what's the greatest commandment? Like, what's, what's, what's the greatest one? To love. Because watch this. You, you know, come, come here, come here, come here. Stand up. Fine piece of specimen, you. <laughs> What's made it easy for me not to lust? It's not the rules of, the Bible said this, Bible said that, Bible said this. But no, I made a choice. Like to fall in love with her. Like, I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my life, like, loving you. And because I made a choice to spend the rest of my life loving you, it's certain choices that ain't even on the table no more. So the scripture says, that says, don't do this and don't do that, don't do this and don't do that. Like, I really don't even have to memorize those because... They are contrary to the main thing that I said I wanted to do, and that's love my. Because I made a choice to love my children, it's certain things that I don't have to sit there and be like, well, it's say, you know, you know, raise your children, don't provoke them to anger, and oh, that's good, that's, that's word, but I don't even have to focus so much on what it says because my focus is to love. It's certain things that ain't even on the table. Because I chose to love God. Like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life. God has been so good to this young man right here. God has been good to me. God has been merciful to me. The passion that you see in what I do, how I live, is based on my appreciation of what I've seen him do in my life for the past 45 years. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm blown away he's still in love with me. Now, I, I need you to understand. I would have gave up on Greg years ago. Years ago. I would have threw him to the side. But you mean to tell me that despite not just what I did, I need y'all to see this, what you knew I was going to do. Now, how many of y'all kids would be dead right now if you knew in advance what they were going to do? I ain't going to even let you live to do what I know you're going to do. So I did it, but the stuff you knew I was going to do, and you still, man, that's crazy. And I'm telling you today, God has that kind of love for you.